Hi, and welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is Friday, October 8th, 2021, and it's an A day. I'm just kidding, that's me at my other job. Today's date is Friday, October 8th. More on that later. It's an anniversary of sorts. Today is uh, Mark's broadcast number 19 of our show, and I appreciate you uh, tuning in on this day, which is uh, steeped in history. Not everyone celebrates October 8th as a holiday, uh, but but I do, and people in my, uh, my universe, that is to say the, um, the universe of... New York Yankees fans celebrate October 8th and the famous date of October 8th, 1956, in which journeyman pitcher Don Larson, the most famous, well, one of the most famous sub-500 pitchers in baseball history, as his career record goes, played for quite a number of teams, but he had one magical afternoon, the afternoon of October 8th, 1956, in which he threw a perfect game in the World Series. It's the only time that has ever happened. And as a matter of fact, it it had been 34 years since anyone had thrown a perfect game in Major League Baseball. And it was only the fourth perfect game of the 20th century. So uh, 56 years of, um, of that century goes by and it was only the fourth time someone had thrown a perfect game. Now in the years following, there have been, I think there have been 23 total perfect games. So uh, that means 17 must have occurred uh, following this. Uh, not in the last few years, not since uh, Felix Hernandez threw the last one. I think that was 2012. But in that period from uh, 1956 until 2012 perfect games. Then it's not that they became more common. Uh, well, they did become more common. They didn't become common. They became more common. It was a remarkable feat to happen on one magical afternoon. And um, every time I think October 8th, I always think of uh, Don Larson. I had heard. Now, Don Larson died last year. He died in 2020. And he was about 90 years old. Uh, I heard that for the rest of his life, now, I don't have a Don Larson autograph, but anytime he signed his name, like fans would ask him for an autograph, he would write Don Larson, 10856. Like that that was the the official addendum to his name, the date, the magical date that he threw a perfect game in the World Series. Now, the thing that uh, is overlooked about that uh, day was that it it's not as though it, this wasn't garbage time. Um, this was Game 5 of the World Series. The series was tied at two games apiece. The series was very much in doubt. And this was coming off the year... I could talk about this all day. I'm going to talk about it for 15 minutes. It was coming off the year in which the only time the Brooklyn Dodgers, the then Brooklyn Dodgers, beat the New York Yankees, or beat anyone in the World Series. This was the only time Brooklyn won a World Series. It was 1955. They beat the Yankees in seven games. The following year, those two teams played again in the World Series. 
it was the last time it was an all New York City World Series until my era, more on that later, when the Mets played the Yankees in 2000. 1956 was the last year you had a Brooklyn, New York World Series. And as I said, the series wasn't out, tied two games apiece, and the game wasn't out. I think the game ended up two to nothing. I mean, it's, it's not as though it was a laugher. Game seven was a laugher. The Yankees won nine to, nine to zero in the final game. But uh, game five ended up just two to nothing. Several interesting things happened in that series. One, it was uh, last all New York World Series. Game seven of that series, and by the way, uh, Brooklyn won the following afternoon. Brooklyn won game six. And then, can you imagine if, like, if after a perfect game, the Yankees had still lost the series? It's like the, the miracle on ice from 1980, like, when the American hockey team beat the Russians. Remember, that was only the semifinals. Like, that still could have gone poorly. Uh, they did have to win, uh, I think it was a couple nights later. Uh, interesting thing, uh, speaking of the dates, that that Game 7 must have been October 10th, because I know it was the last World Series in which they did not have scheduled off days. Like, the teams didn't have to travel. I mean, the, the stadiums were only a couple miles apart. Is it stadiums or stadia? Anyway, it's like... It's trouble if you, if you know a lot of Latin, that's good. But if you only know a little bit of Latin, it, 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 gets, it gets a little dangerous. So there were no off days because there were no travel days. The stadiums were only a couple miles apart. There was, uh, if you look at the dates of this year, I've looked at this so many times. It's all, it's all so easily Google-able and uh, Wikipedia article-able. Like you, you can see all of these things, but like, like Back before you could easily look things, these things up, I, I committed so many of these things to memory, that one of the games was rained out. So there is a delay of one day in that series. But otherwise, uh, they line up consecutively. Game six was won by Brooklyn. Game seven was won by the Yankees in a laugher. And as a matter of fact, it was Jackie Robinson's last game ever. Game 7 of the 1956 World Series. That was Jackie Robinson's final game ever. And uh, it was one of, I think it was four World Series in a row that went seven games, uh, 55 through 58. Ah, to live through that time. I speak about it as though I actually watched any of these games. Obviously, it was uh, 25, 26 years before I was born. The dates I'm talking about. I've looked up all of these things and committed them to memory. It's amazing to me like that uh, I've spent so much time doing so as I was growing up that I can rattle off the names of the World Series winners and losers in their lineups like from the 40s and 50s better than I could the ones of the last 10 years. And I watched all those World Series, but I haven't spent as much time reading about them and, and trying to commit these things to memory as I did uh, as a young man, uh, more on that later, and in, in future broadcasts that uh, explain what I do now, where uh, my my students they, they either laugh at me or they're marvelously impressed by the fact that wow, Mr. O'Connell has so much information already in his head. Like, how did you memorize these things? Well, back before Google, I, I had to memorize these things. And uh, just speaking of a different year, like that, that my students grew up in. Versus the era in which 
I grew up, which you, you could find these things if you, if you dug, and then thinking back to the actual era in which these things took place, say my dad's era, 40s and 50s, my dad's from New York City. When he was growing up, that there were three major league teams in New York City. You, know, you had the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Giants. This year, and as I'm recording this, I must say that um, the baseball playoffs are, are just beginning. I know that the Yankees, Dodgers, and Giants were all in. I don't know the results of the beginning of the series. So you may be hearing this and like, ah, oh, dude, didn't you hear that the Yankees are already out? That may be possible. I'm recording this before. Um, and uh, it, it only has happened so often that the Dodgers and Giants both were in the playoffs. It's happened a few times in the last decade, uh, but never before that. They had some famous uh, postseason, if you want to call it that, uh, it, two very famous tie-breaking series, one in 1951 and 1962 that um, determined a... Uh, uh, who was going to go to the World Series back when only one team could go to the uh, the official postseason, the Fall Classic. My dad and his father, my grandfather, were uh, Yankee fans. So, so my dad told me. They were Yankee fans, and uh, as, as my dad was growing up. However, my dad always said, for you know, he lived for another 50 years after the Dodgers left Brooklyn and the Giants left uh, the Polo Grounds for California. Always maintained that Ebbets Field was the best place to see a baseball game. And it's, sort of, it's the same thing sort of for me. Like, yeah, I have Nats Park down the street, but like Ebbets Field Jr., uh, that is to say Camden Yards, that to me is still the best place to see a baseball game. Like it, Camden Yards is a better experience than Nats Park. Even though I have no love at all for the Orioles, I like the Nats. I still like the Yankees. If I'm going to uh, Orioles Park and Camden Yards, it's probably because they're playing the Yankees and I want to see the home team lose. <laughs> Most people who show up those games are. Uh, but that was always my dad's thing, that, that to go to Brooklyn was, was truly an experience. And... Uh, he was, the, he was the right age of, um, you know, getting to grow up with three New York City teams who were all great. They ended up facing each other. Those two teams ended up facing one another quite a number of times in uh, the World Series before uh, the 1958 season was the first one that the Dodgers and Giants were both in California. It was... 40-plus years later that the Yankees would play the Mets in the World Series. When they did, that was the first time that those two teams had faced off, and the first time starting a tradition for me of hosting World Series parties. That year was the first year I did it. It was at the, uh, the rec lounge of Rayfuse Hall on the campus of Binghamton University. And over the next uh, 10 years... And, and we had started, even before that, technically, like going to like our, our parents' house. Uh, but that was the first time that I had had friends over. And, and everyone on that campus, almost everyone, everyone except me, was from the New York or Long Island. And we're Yankees or Mets fans. It was a great place to have a World Series party that year. Over the next 10 years, you could 
follow like my life like where did i live like my first apartment i'm hosting world series parties here and then you know i meet my met, made new friends like my college friends or my post college friends these are people i knew from work like who was coming to my world series parties through those years and who was consistent like who was my friend through all that time from like late 90s when we were kids going to our parents house watching sports on tv to like the 2000 tens like I was already married and still hosting parties like who was coming to the parties through all those years um, and uh, celebrating that way I think the the last uh, the last official World Series party I had before I moved here I didn't get to have one in 2011 the Yankees were out of the series too quickly 2010 I remember there being one magical game as they were playing the Texas Rangers now, they ended up losing the series, but they won. there was one game they were down 5 to nothing to the Rangers and came back to win that game in dramatic fashion, and that was like one of the high points of, of Yankee Party victories. That and the unusual food items. I've talked about this before. Uh, go back and read all the earlier, or hear all the early episodes if you want it, the full picture. That that started the trend of like, what kind of unusual snack items could you bring to our party? Like anyone could walk in with Pepsi and Doritos, but you know, can you find some weirdo third-party soda or off-brand potato chips to bring and share? The more unusual, the better. I do that now with my own son as, as I get to play the dad. And uh, following sort of my father's footsteps of, of moving to the suburbs, I, I should say my father's family, like so many other New York City families in the 1950s, you know, moved to the suburbs, just like uh, the the Dodgers and Giants moving away. My my father's family actually moved upstate prior to the Dodgers and Giants leaving. It's like, well, first they left, and then then two more New York teams. And they they weren't the only family to do that. Um, more more next time as as I regale you with more tales of of my life and uh, my, my evolution from being the kid to being the dad, and don't we all? Uh, that'll be the subject of uh, next week's program and future programs as well. I thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to uh, Math and Musings. Math and Musings is uh, presented by Michael O'Connell Jr. That's me. For more information or to contact, go to michaelconnelljr.com.